0: Hello and welcome once more to Country Roads Confidential. I am your host, Chris Anderson, publisher of earsports.com, the West Virginia site on the 24-7 Sports Network. Uh, It's game week. It is season opener week. It is the beginning of the 2019 season. It is the beginning of the Neil Brown era this week. Uh, As the Mountaineers welcome James Madison University to Morgantown on Saturday, and things feel real today. Today well, as I'm recording this, you might be hearing this Tuesday morning, but today, Monday afternoon, West Virginia officially released their depth chart for this weekend's game. Now, a lot of it was to be expected, but there were certainly some surprises, uh, or at least for those who didn't read uh, the mess- the VIP message board about 30 minutes before the depth chart came out. Um, <laughs> I had uh, received some tips on this Weekend's walkthrough, which for those who don't know, uh, there's not typically a walkthrough on the Saturday before a game because obviously the previous week's game is that week. But the weekend before the season opener is typically when guys are put in the order, you know, kind of first team, second team, or at least travel squad scout team. Guys learn that they're likely going to redshirt, not redshirt, whatever their role may be on the team. It's not set in stone. Uh, it's not always exactly 100% correct, but it is a fairly good indicator of what's to come, at least for the first couple of weeks of the season. And I posted on the board uh, this morning thinking this would be good scoop for at least a few hours because the school does not typically release the depth chart till about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And then they released it, like I said, 20 or 30 minutes later. So... Um, we're going to go over some of those surprises, uh, which, looking back on them retroactively, maybe they shouldn't be surprises. Uh, some things to look out for this coming weekend. What may or may not be the truth on the depth chart that was released publicly? Um, I think there uh, might be a couple of things here that Neil Brown put on that that might not be 100% truthful. We'll find out. Uh, Daniel Olgerson was, was famous, infamous for that, uh, putting out depth charts that were not exactly accurate. We'll address that, what might fit that uh, for this this depth chart, for Neil Brown's first official game week depth chart at West Virginia. And I think we should start on the offensive line. Chase Barrett and John Hughes listed as co-starters at right guard. The other spots, not surprising. Colton McKivitz at left tackle, Mike Brown at left guard, Josh Sills at center, and Kelby Wickline at right tackle. Ho-hum, we kind of figured that. Obviously, Sills was at right guard previously, moved over to center in a much-talked-about move earlier during fall camp. And previously, Barrett had been the starting center. The coaching staff talked him up as if he were uh, an anchor on that offensive line. And then... Apparently, you know, privately, not during open practices, really struggled to the point that the staff benched him and moved Sills over to center, where he had never played in college, and then had a kind of tryout for that right guard spot with guys like John Hughes, Bryson Mays, Blaine Scott, um, even James Gomiter getting time over there at these guard spots, trying to figure out how they were going to fill out that fifth spot in the offensive line. Now. In the publicly released depth chart, the first team right guard is listed as John Hughes or Chase Barron. In that order, uh, what that order means, it's hard to tell because it's not an alphabetical order. They do have Hughes first, but that information that I received about the Saturday walkthrough said that it was Barron that was working with the first team offense, that uh, he was the man at right guard, which it shouldn't. I guess if you had told me that a couple of weeks ago, it wouldn't be that surprising. But after hearing what we had heard about his struggles and about all the other linemen that they were given a shot at that spot, it raises a couple questions. Honestly, is is Barrett the best fifth lineman on this team? I think I think that putting him there, if he starts, it answers that question but it raises a few others, especially some concerns about the depth on this offensive line. If they benched Barrett and then tried off all these other guys and then came back to Barrett again at right guard, it has to make you wonder about the guys behind them. Now, I spoke with Mike earlier. He is on his way back to Morgantown getting ready for this game week, And, and he brought up an interesting point when we were discussing this that maybe, just maybe, Well, first he said this is coming down to the wire. He wouldn't consider it a done deal that Chase Barrett's going to start just yet. But he also noted that maybe West Virginia is better off with John Hughes as a backup at two spots, being the both guard spots, than being a starter at one spot. And I get where he's coming from that because obviously the staff doesn't quite feel comfortable with Barrett at center. Uh, We haven't heard anything about him playing at left guard. Um, And and Matt Moore is on record as saying he would rather not switch guys from left to right, right to left. Would rather keep him on one side of the line. And uh, I'm sorry, I misspoke just a minute ago when I said Hughes at left guard, right guard. But Hughes at right guard or right tackle, uh, backing up both of those spots. And that would fit. I I think that's a good thought. Maybe uh, some rotation in there. I think you'll see Hughes get a lot of reps. Um, get some snaps uh, in the game, regardless of whether or not he starts. Looking over the offensive line, off the top of my head, maybe maybe he's the sixth lineman. He is that guy that's the first lineman off the bench to give guys some rest on that right side of the line. And, um, you know, then West Virginia's got to find number seven, number eight. And, and right now I'm not sure they have that. Moving out to tight end. That was another big one. Mike O'Loughlin as the tight end number one. Um, I let off my, my VIP post about that because that was what caught my attention more than anything. Not only was he starting at tight end, but he lined up as a slot. He lined up on the line as a uh, as a blocker. He lined up in the backfield like a S back or a fullback and played all over the field, did well. Uh, he seems to have more versatility than a lot of people, and I think... He might have been pigeonholed into that Giovanni Haskins receiver-only role with Banks being more of the the blocker type. But O'Loughlin surprised a lot of people with his fall camp with the way he was able to block, with the way he was able to not only uh, excel in the in the receiving game, which he's we, we already knew he could do that. That's something he's been doing since high school. But he's gotten bigger, stronger, and, and he was pushing people off their blocks, uh, off the line there during during his blocks. And and I think that is a big reason why he's going to start at tight end for West Virginia. Now, obviously, Haskins got into some trouble um, earlier this offseason. Uh, he's also coming off an injury, a shoulder surgery from back in the spring. But he's been out there. He's been practicing. At this walkthrough, he was dressed. He was practicing as well. And he was lining up and going through the walkthrough. With the second team, so it might he be in some trouble for the season opener. Neil Brown has not discussed that. He has not uh, said any there's going to be any suspension or he's going to be benched for it. It so it seems like Michael Laughlin legitimately took that job and earned that job as the starting tight end for West Virginia. Moving even further outside, we see Sean Ryan, newly eligible Sean Ryan. Um, earlier in the summer, Mike reported uh, that West Virginia had put in two requests uh, for waivers from the NCAA for guys to be eligible immediately. At the time, he noted that one they felt was a sure thing and one they were eh about. They are a little so-so, weren't sure it was going to go through. The assumption was that Sean Ryan was the sure thing. And that the other would be Alonzo Adai, the cornerback and cousin of uh, the current defensive backs coach for West Virginia. As it turns out, it wasn't Adai. He's going to sit out this year. It turns out it was Jared Dagie as the eh, not so sure if he's going to get cleared uh, waiver choice. And Sean Ryan was the guy that they assumed would be cleared, and we're hoping that he'd be cleared even earlier. And Neil Brown admitted as much for, for in both instances. He noted that you know, Daigie had not really been practicing as if he were going to play. They hadn't been putting him with the first team. He hadn't been getting reps with the first team receivers or even second team receivers in a lot of cases. But Ryan had been going out there all through fall camp, through most of the preseason practice, and working with the first team. He would rotate in with guys like Bryce Whedon, with TJ Simmons, So it it wasn't all the time, but they were rotating him in there as if he were part of the wide receiver rotation, as if he were a starter. And that included on Saturday when they went through the walkthrough where Brian was with the first team unit, not surprising, after he was cleared. So there were no questions about that at that point. But he is going to help shore up that that wide receiver group for sure. Um, I think the only other... Part of the wide receiver core, that kind of, caught, not wouldn't say caught me off guard, but they slid T.J. Simmons over to slot. He was at the H receiver, which is also an inside receiver. Um, only Tevin Bush is there now. So to have Simmons and Bush on the inside, Ryan and Sam James on the outside, that's a great combination, inside-outside combination, and speed and size. And I, I touched on this in a story the other day. I think now there are no excuses for the wide receiver group to produce Uh, even with all the departures to have those guys to have Sean Ryan eligible to kind of have that combination of size and speed and um, youth and experience. It's a good, it's a solid group now. It it shouldn't be a weakness for West Virginia. Uh, What else is going on here at, at on the offensive side of the ball, Uh, Bryson Mays, really, that's the only thing I wanted to touch on one more time. We discussed him in the 70-man roster podcast last week. When I first made my 70-man travel roster, he was on there. It wasn't even a question for me. He was one of my first, first guys, not first guys in, but when I did my first kind of cut of first wave of guys, he was on there. Was one of the first ones as a backup offensive lineman. And then we never heard about him again. We heard about seven or eight other offensive linemen that weren't starters. But didn't hear about him from the coaching staff all through fall camp. I assumed that meant that he, you know, things had not gone well; that he had fallen down the depth chart. But here he is, backup center, backup right guard for West Virginia, maybe third string for both. Uh, but again, a little versatility, and uh, he looks to be on the travel roster. And uh, we'll get to that in a, in a little bit. Uh, speaking of the travel roster, because I think it's it's interesting to me that. We have this depth chart. It's not a complete two deep. There are some three deeps and even four deeps at a couple spots and going down into the special teams and Mike and I went for our 70-man roster try to create that and right here on this two deep we have 67 players that West Virginia put on this two and three and four deep. Um, There are a couple that I could see maybe being added just simply for special teams to round out that 70 but if you're asking yourself who's traveling for West Virginia on the road this season, look at that depth chart. This is it. I think this is your this is your travel roster, with a couple um, special teams additions. Uh, and I, for now, that'll cover it on offense. We'll be back in just a second to discuss defense. All right, welcome back. Uh, defense. You know, start up front. Defensive end. Um, some. I would say shocking news with Jeffrey Pooler, Taj Alston, and Ruben Jones listed as co starters at the defensive end position for West Virginia. Alston has been the talk of this defense all spring, all fall camp, scrimmages. During the very first live scrimmage, Neil Brown started off talking about how he had four sacks, how he was a disruptive force. Uh, how he's just going to be a difference maker for this defense. And then I found out, again, 30 minutes before they released the depth chart, that it was Jeffrey Pooler who went through the walkthrough on Saturday with the first-team defense. Um, Again, that doesn't always mean that that's what it's going to be for the upcoming game, but... We hear nothing about this. We all hear everything about Austin being amazing and how great he's doing. Then I hear he's... Uh, Pooler's the starting defensive end for the walkthrough. And a little bit later, we get the depth chart, and they're all listed as co-starters there at that spot with no indication that that was coming. Um, What does it mean? Probably nothing. I, I, I touched on this on that board post. Again, this rotation... My understanding during that walkthrough, it was nonstop rotation. That you know, we we've, we've heard for years now that the defensive line coaches. Oh, I'd love to have like Bruce Tall, previous defensive line coach of West Virginia. He would always say that he wants to have six, seven, eight, nine, ten defensive linemen that he is rotating in at all times. That he never wants to have guys taking more than 20, 30 snaps. He wants to keep guys fresh. It helps, and it's true. Everybody would love to do that. The fact is, you don't typically have the bodies, the talent to go that deep. You, best case scenario in most instances, are going six deep, maybe five deep. Um, this year, it, it certainly seems like that two, four, seven, you had there, you got seven guys uh, Pooler, Austin Jones, and then Darius Stills and Brendan Thrift on the inside, and Reese Donahue and Dante Stills at defensive tackle. Those seven guys on the first and second team for West Virginia on the defensive front, I expect them to all get about the same amount of snaps in most games. I think matchups will make a difference. Uh, who's playing well, kind of ride the hot hand type of situation might uh, fluctuate that a little bit. But for the most part, those seven are going to rotate. They are going to split the reps who starts is just going to be who's out there for the first series. It might not be who finishes the game. It might not even be who plays the most snaps in the game. So I think for the first time in a while, this whole mantra of who cares who starts on the defensive line it is true. I think there is going to be a heavy rotation of those guys. So while shocking that Pooler was working with the first team defense in this walkthrough and that he and Ruben Jones are listed as co-starters with Alston, I wouldn't read that much into it. I just think, you know, there's going to be rotation. It's all going to be pretty close. It's all going to be pretty well split. Uh, Linebacker, no real surprises. Um, Obviously, Cowan is suspended, so he's not listed at the Bandit. Jarrett Bartlett steps in as a third stringer as everybody moves up a spot. Um, At Mike, behind Tonkri, you have Jake Abbott or Shea Campbell listed there. Uh, my understanding is that Jake Cabot will likely be the second string. Um, same at Spear, where Quantel Reigns or Dante Bonamico are listed as second string. But again, it was Reigns that was the first man off the bench during the walkthrough as, as the key backup. And then you get to cornerback. No, Again, no surprises. We've been t- discussing this Drayshon Miller thing uh, all spring on... A little bit in the summer and even into the fall camp of where is he he's kind of been banged up this entire time been held out of practices or held out of contact he's been at practices but in a green jersey not going through contact drills and that's kind of opened the door for guys like tay mayo and Nick Troy fortune who are both listed as backups despite being true freshmen and behind mayo is walk-on devin wade and Mike brought this up during our 70-man roster discussion. Neither of us had him on there on our travel roster. Um, We had Miller as the fifth cornerback, assuming he would be healthy. Uh, Obviously, he's not. And then Neil Brown went out of his way to shout out Devin Wade for his play during a scrimmage uh, earlier this month, and it kind of raised a couple eyebrows. And it certainly seems like he's going to be part of the plans Somewhere on this team. I think he will likely be part of this travel roster. Uh, Whether it's special teams or an emergency defensive back, it's unclear. But I think he's kind of worked his way right into that 70-man group. Um, Safety. uh, The only really move there was Tyke Smith from free safety over to cat safety. That makes all the sense in the world to me. Um, Tyke plays better... That, that cad safety is a little more up in the box. Uh, I think he's better, a little closer to the line. Uh, he's made more for that. And Kerry Martin is made more for that free safety spot. I'm told he was the first first safety off the bench during that walkthrough on Saturday. So it's it's not shocking to see him there and to see him getting a role there. Uh, you know, I, I detailed on the 70-man uh, travel roster podcast that I wasn't sure he'd be on uh, my list at first, but then I ended up keeping him because I felt like he could play corner or safety, could make a difference on special teams. And, and then here we go. Uh, Backup, free safety. And it sounds like he is going to see significant playing time this year. Um, you know, he's got plenty of skill, plenty of versatility. He was here in the spring. He knows this defense. So it makes, it makes sense. Again, one of these moves that was Kind of caught me off guard when I first saw it, but retroactively, yeah, of course, duh, makes sense. He he should be there, and Tyke Smith should be a cat safety. That's where he fits best, and quite honestly, he might be pushing Sean Mahone for that starting job within within a few weeks. I think he's got the talent to get there, and and then we get to special teams, and and boys and girls, this is where we are glad that. Mike is not on today's podcast because I am I am told that he had a 10-minute diatribe ready to go about the lack of a backup punt returner and the fact that they only had two long snappers on the travel roster here. Uh, obviously disappointing news for him, but you know, as far as where the guys ended up, nothing too shocking. Uh, Evan Staley is the starting Kicker. He was a starting kicker last year. Was fairly reliable last year. Uh, he's been a little more hit and miss this fall camp, including in Saturday's walkthrough. Uh, Josh Groudon, the transfer from LSU. will get the start at punter and at Holder. Um Honestly, I you know, I had Colton McGee on my 70 man roster because I felt he could be a excellent an excellent kicker and an excellent punter. And he got no kicks on Saturday, from what at least from what I heard but did have a 50 yarder when he was put the very first time he was given the opportunity to punt. Uh, but Groudon also, uh, also had an excellent day. So that is a punter is a spot that Neil Brown said he was extremely disappointed in. It was a major cause for concern, even back in the spring. Maybe that spot's okay. Now, maybe there's two guys that are, are good now that are reliable options for West Virginia. there. um, Obviously, a long snapper, you have to feel extremely comfortable with Rex Sunahara, who got the shout-out from Neil Brown earlier this summer. Um, West Virginia has had a nice string of long snappers here in Morgantown. Um, you won't remember any of their names, and that's why they've been good, because they just make the snaps and, and no issues. Uh, keep going for term. Sam James, he is electric. That makes all the sense in the world. Punt returner Alex Sinkfield is electric. That makes sense, too. Uh, Keith Washington, you know, that's a not surprising one to me, but I, I'm curious about it. And, but Mike has been reporting that Washington's been working back there as a return man, one of the top two or three every single time. So shouldn't be that shocking to see him there. And honestly, I think that wraps us up here on, on the depth chart, running through everything. I expect some changes, uh, maybe not after this first week's game, but as we get two or three weeks into the season – there will be some moves. Obviously, Kyle will come back. Um, there will be, and, and knock on wood, everybody, there will be a couple of injuries that might shake, shake some things up. And then there's going to be performance uh, issues that will have to be addressed, most likely. Or guys that are just playing too well to continue to be backups. And, and they'll move up, too. So There may be a point here in a few weeks where, where we revisit this. Um, it likely won't be next week. I, I doubt there will be that many moves after one game. But once we start getting into Big 12 play, once we get through a couple games and the coaches can review enough film to make these decisions, there could be some changes coming. So uh, for now, this is it. You may hear me and hopefully Mike. Uh, you know, He's going to give me a hard time about vacation, and maybe that's where he's at right now. Um, and, and we'll revisit this again in, in a few weeks. I will put some of this, not all the rambling and the poor jokes, into uh, written form so that you can read it on the website. That is earsports.com. And I will be back, or Mike will be back, actually. Not me. I'm not, I won't be on vacation, but Mike has is, is going to boot me off the podcast later this week. He's, he apparently has a special guest uh, lined up. I'd like to hear who is better than me. Probably a lot of people, but uh, it, it should be a good one. Uh, and then, of course, Saturday... West Virginia versus JMU, start of the 2019 football season. And we'll have a reaction after that, written, spoken, maybe video. We'll see. Uh, Thanks again for listening. Once more, I am Chris Anderson, and you can find all of our work at earsports.com.